Didn't expect to hear this voice, did ya? My name is Evie, friend and fan of the pod and the number one requester of Cubby the Dog Face Dog merchandise. I've had the pleasure of playing Pathfinder with Cole, Ben, and Sam in another campaign that started in, no joke, 2018. Those boys know I'm bad at a few things when it comes to Pathfinder, namely any sort of character voice, the simplest of mental math under any time constraint, and not crying when characters die. So I've always been impressed with their RPG skills, but I'm particularly impressed with what this whole Heroes Die team has put together. As I face another cold and Dickensian London winter, each episode of this pod has felt like a warm hug from a group of lovable misfits that I've come to really appreciate. Uh, The characters, obviously. Y'all are just okay. Alright, Pathfinder Nation, make sure to smash that like and subscribe for these good, good boys. And enjoy this week's episode of The Heroes Die. Hey everybody, how we doing this week? <laughs> What's good? Hi uh, hey, Sam. Hey guys, hey guys. Question for you. Question for you. Uh, this is two 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 parter here. Two parter. Oh, favorite museum slash favorite museum experience. I'll, I'll take. I'll oh. take either one. Whoa. I'll take either one. He's the least contractually obligated to say the Shed Aquarium right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you get canned if I don't. So. Uh, but no, as a little kid, the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry uh, in Portland, like I've been to better museums since then. I know that for a fact. But like, if you ask me where like my love of museums started, it was the experiences going to like the various like interactive pieces there and stuff. And they had a submarine that you could walk in and like explore. And they had some really good stuff set to earth, wind and fire. You feel the earth shake beneath your feet. Oh, that's uh, cool. That's I think great. that's earth, wind and fire, right? I feel the that's, earth. Uh, Carolyn that's Carol. Carol. That's uh, Carol, Carol King. King. Yeah, Carol King. I feel Thank the you. earth with under my fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an earthquake model. Hell yeah. Oh, that's so fun, dude! Really yeah, cute. that that sounds that sounds awesome. What's a museum, though? Does anyone can anyone clear Morgan, that? Up for me? Morgan, Morgan, what's a museum? One <laughs> yeah. with the books, right? Morgan, can I take a guess at yours? Please do. Is it the City Museum? In St. Louis, absolutely yes. Yeah, I, I in fact, I, I will, I will, I will go further to say that, like, I, I really dislike most museums. <laughs> I, I, I love the City Museum. What is it's it so about, about the City it. Museum? What is it? Yeah, I've, I've been there. I don't know that I had the same kind of reaction. I mean, the City Museum is just kind of a playground. Uh, right. Yeah. Tell, tell them about the City Museum. Like they are two people who just said the City Museum is garbage. No, I did not <laughs> yeah, say really that. aggressively. Yeah, really aggressive. Get in their face. You know? I don't really like. I, I don't really feel the need to play defense for the City Museum. But no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I get bored in museums, and the City Museum doesn't feel like a museum. It feels like a playground. There's mm-hmm. slides. You climb all over shit. The last time I was there, I threw pumpkins off the roof and tried to land them into a dumpster. Got arrested, but <laughs> yeah, that wasn't part of the museum. I was just angry. <laughs> no, actually, they they had a deal where if you could s- sink it into the dumpster, then you got like a free admission for a year. Uh, That's awesome. amazing. <laughs> That's a, what a great what a great what a great museum. Yeah, what curator was like? Here's here's how we're gonna get people interested. Every curator there, because that's what it is. Like it's so cool. Yeah, amen. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's that's definitely mine. I felt really awkward at the city museum because it, it, like this is a strength of the place. It's an all ages museum, 
So as I'm climbing around everywhere, I'm like running into children, like five-year-olds or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, sorry, I'm in your way, kid. And (laughs) they have way less like awkwardness about this. It's just like they would climb on top of me to get on like to the other side. And I just felt like I like I guess I'm just someone that like values their personal space. And I felt very much like I had none at the city museum. I I get that. I think that's super valid. And I would just point out that is why I like it. Yeah, no, for sure. There's no like hierarchy of intelligence or like you're supposed to behave in a certain way and know enough about the paintings or the exhibits to appreciate them. And like a lot of museums make people feel bad for not giving a shit about whatever like the displays are. The city museums like use the museum. Yeah. Like it's your play place. Mm-hmm. Morgan, that's beautiful. I love that, man. That that conversation reminded me of this sci-fi novel that I just read. Um, it's by Becky Chambers. She's amazing. If you haven't read any of her stuff, I absolutely recommend all of her books. But this one focuses on a human from the Exodus fleet, a, a cluster of humanity left the solar system after we trashed Earth because they didn't want to try to terraform Mars like other humans did. And they just launched out in these generation ships that are like really well described. They're contained ecosystems and they just left, you know, like a million people on a dozen ships got out of town. But because they're closed systems, nothing is not used, right? And there's this scene at the end of the book where a a, adolescent who was just so eager to get off of the ships is at a museum planet side. And <laughs> they're like, yeah, this is an original artifact of the old ones. And he's like, oh, weird. And he picks it up <laughs> and the alarms go off and people come in and they're like, what the, you know, and he looks like some, you know, barbaric human. Um, and he like puts it down and his friends are like, what were you thinking? Have you never been to a museum before? And he's like, what do you mean you can't touch it? Right? Like the idea that something would be so sacred that you could not interact with it just because it's old was completely foreign to this kid who was like, yeah, if this existed in the fleet, even if it it was something that the first people who got onto the ships hundreds of years ago had used, it would have been melted down and repurposed if it no longer worked, or it would still be in use and still be, you know, a part of life. I thought it was, I thought it was such a cool insight into that that psychology and how weird museums are in a certain regard. My favorite museum at the moment, because I'm like a super museum fan, is uh, the new museum down on uh, the Bowery. I don't think I've been there where they did a show that I wasn't super into. Their mission statement is to display the works of artists that are alive right now, mm-hmm. which I think is super important. And, you know, it's not like there's not a bunch of galleries in Chicago and New York and L.A. that don't do that, but like a proper three sto- three story curated museum. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's a really, really important place. And and I, I've certainly gotten a lot of it. I love the taxidermy collection at the Museum of Natural History and at the Field Museum. Like I love animal dioramas. I think that I just can like walk wander around in those all day long. I and especially think- knowing that they come alive at night. Yeah, yeah, you know, or, or but only if you can figure out what the rhyming uh, clue is about each animal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
in the you little... just keep saying all these words and yeah. people are staring at you. <laughs> There's couplets. The yeah. best best museum experience is hands down the House on the Rock. In oh, amen, Rudy. Good call. Um, I've done it twice. Both times it was an initiatic experience. Like I leave that place. In There's different... nothing like it. There's nothing like it. What is House on the Rock? House on the Rock was is a is a very large house that was a very strange right. house that was built by an insane insane is the right way to put it who uh who hated Frank Lloyd Wright lived near Frank Lloyd Wright built this weird house to spite Frank Lloyd Wright Hell and yeah. then <laughs> continued to add on to the house to start putting all of his weird tchotchke oh, collections yes if you've ever read American Gods by Neil Gaiman, yeah, there's a section yeah, yeah, yeah. of the book that takes place in the House on the Rock. Hmm. It's it's one of these places where like it's a self-guided tour. It takes several hours to do. It's like the ultimate fun house. Like mm-hmm. every time you think you have figured out what the thing is going to be, it completely changes on you. Like there, I don't want to like like it's it, it, this isn't spoiling it because it's such a big feature of the house. Like there are gigantic music machines in the house there's like full or uh, automated orchestras that play in different rooms and stuff there's like old town usa like a recreation of like a, a 1910s town usa is yeah. in there somewhere there's yeah. a massive room where like a massive room like a like an like a like an auditorium sized room that is Sorry, just how, not how big is the room Sorry, I just really, oh, got it. Thank you. It's just nautical collections. And has a giant blue whale in it, from yeah. what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like this, the technicolor this... version of the Winchester Mystery House. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. California. Yeah. And, and there's parts of it like where you're kind of like, oh, I can't take it anymore. Like I, I'm going wild. It's the way that I think about it too. Yeah. And like it's just it's overwhelming in a in a good way, largely. Yeah, but I find it's, it's a very spiritual experience. Yeah, actually, like really, I really want to go now. Yeah, yeah me too. Good. That sounds cool. Well, if we go to Wisconsin this in November, like we can go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we should definitely do that. Have, Absolutely. Have any of y'all ever been to the Museum of Jurassic Technology in Los Angeles? No, I never no. went. No, my brother <laughs> and his wife just went like a month or so ago. It sounded yeah. fucking awesome. What is it? Don't actually. You know what? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I, so I, I'm going to take like my an experience off. than a museum. It's like Sam, a very. Cave, yeah. Someone give me weird. a signal when you're done talking about it because I'm not Sam, listening. I'll signal. <laughs> Sam, but I, I think Rudy. So I would say that it was an initiative experience. Very similarly, I don't think it's as profound as the House on the Rock from the way you're talking about it. I don't think it could be right. But yeah. I think the cool part about the Museum of Jurassic Technology is that very similarly to the way you're describing the House on the Rock is it's poking at and asking the question over and over again, what exactly makes a museum a museum? Yeah. And there are a series of just, I'm, I'm being sincere, unthinkably obtuse exhi- exhibits and displays in this very weird, dark and winding space, multi-floor, that I would argue have seemingly almost no through line or thematic relation to each other. And so the museum is entirely about the meaning that you end up construing for yourself over the course of your passage through it. I'm going to say, like, I'm going to cede my time, but to build on on Rudy's point, 
I have a person in my family who's very close to me who is a like a hoarder, like, you know, TV, like TV show kind of level hoarder. And what was really affecting to me about going to House on the Rock is that so much of what the House on the Rock is could be classified as hoarding. It's like literally like hundreds and like thousands of like dolls, for example, like just like like porcelain face dolls uh, in one room. And like it just really emphasizes there's a fine line between eccentricity and insanity and also like academic academia you know what i mean like just being like an archive you know what i mean of 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 artifacts uh and i found that really (laughs) depressing um to be honest but also um uh, but isn't it like affirming too in its own way like it it, it kind of becomes like a temple to collection and it's it's like the multifaceted nature of curiosity Right. Like the different ways that your brain can take you down certain paths to be like, this is what I need to do and explore and become. And why that's always like baked in to stories of like good and evil and stuff. Right. Is like who pushed too far, who pushed just far enough. Like those lines, it's so interesting when you run into them like that. Mm-hmm. And, and like just, yeah. The, so also to respond to Morgan, like something about a very personal experience, um, I don't know, really resonates with me with the museum. Anyway, that's all I have to say. For me, I'm I'm harking back to, to Cole's initial, and this is, I guess, more museum experience, but it was one that I had more than once. When I was a child visiting my grandparents in, live in Brookline, Massachusetts, we would go into nice. the Boston children's museum of science and it was super interactive right and i that that feels like one of the big common threads uh, among some of these answers is just like being able to touch stuff and do stuff and also some of the exhibits god there was you know a, a lightning show right where they just had a bunch of um uh, what are the 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 spheres that that shoot lightning oh, out tesla Te- yeah yeah, tesla, the, yeah, what are those yeah, yeah tesla coils but you know, big ones. And it was all in this like cage, right? And there would be electricity that shot in from various points and it was loud and it was, it was just so cool and exciting. And then you'd go outside and you'd learn about bubbles and, you know, you'd stand (laughs) on the little platform and you'd reach down and you'd pull the thing up and all of a sudden you'd be in a little pillar of bubble. It was just such a positive experience in a museum, learning, academic, whatever environment, but in no small part because it was so accessible, Mm -hmm. right? It just, it felt like it was there for the people rather than the sort of uh, academic elitism of, I don't know, uh, the, the, you know, high art museums or the, the economic elitism that I feel whenever I walk into a gallery where I know I can't afford anything. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to look at it, but it's like, man, this, this, I don't It's like the difference between revering things that are already done and revering the process of doing things, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's what I find really exciting about a lot of these. And I've enjoyed other, you know, I, I've en- I love the Art Institute of Chicago. I think it's really cool to see those paintings, totally. Yeah. But it's, it's not an experience that's going to stay with me. But stand-up museums, I can appreciate, but I do think, Sam, it's this like, moving forward, the desire to be alive. It's so yeah, cool about I, the interactive. Yeah. And, and and we've been talking about this for a while now, but what, what you're saying, like my favorite part about being in the Louvre was in the apartments where people <laughs> lived, right? Mm. And I'm walking around 
in a space that used to be somebody's home. Like Napoleon lived in this wing. Yeah. I, I believe that that I see you. I see your eyes moving around. Harold. Really? I, I was, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know I, that. I believe that's true. And if, if not, if not him though, I, I think, I think the Napoleon forums will let us know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll hear about this on the boards. Uh, but if not him, other other rulers of mm-hmm. France in the you know 17th and 18th centuries lived here. And it was like, this was home. Like they looked at that door every day and opened it because they had to go like poop or go eat dinner. You know, and, and I'm here with a thousand other people wandering through because this whole place is so amazing. But that humanizing element is what resonated with me, Cole, about what you were talking about. Ben, we haven't heard from you. No, it's cool. Mine is probably the Imperial War Museum. Uh, there's a World War One trench exhibit, and you get to see a bunch of bats with wires on them. And apparently, they used to brain each other with those. That was pretty cool. When I went. So wait, like, are they like like modeled trenches that you actually go inside of? Or yeah, it's actually like it's a fucking awesome war museum. Uh, wow. It's in London and stuff. They like yeah, I mean they've oh, got like full wow. tanks and everything. But the World War One exhibit is like the coolest thing ever. I've been to the exhibit. Can't attest. It is extremely dope. I like I like this fellows the International Council of Museums their official um, definition of what a museum is and I think it does kind of apply and obviously they're talking about natural history and and our, I don't know if they're talking about the city museum or the house on the rock necessarily but I do think this is a really astute nice way of putting it a museum is a nonprofit permanent institution in the service of society and its development, open to the public, which acquires, conserves, researches, communicates, and exhibits the tangible and intangible history of humanity and its environment for the purposes of education, study, and enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. I like also that. say the Welcome Museum in London is awesome. Like this old, like rich dude just had this collection of like weird medical stuff. Like heads in jars, like just crazy stuff collected throughout human history. And Why do they call it the Welcome Museum? It was his last name, W E L L C U M E. Yeah, I know. Yeah, kind of perfect for the museum. But yeah, it's just like one of those like perfect collection of like a weird collect. Yeah. So it's like a Barnum kind of thing? Very much so. Yeah. Yep. Well, speaking of Barnum. Let's not play this game. Let's do some more museum shit. Yeah, I've got more to say. Is the worst part is that I'm enjoying this right now. No, I'm in. I'm enjoying museum content. Our listeners are so pissed off right now. Yeah. Well, the thing is, we're about to go to this like blown out zoo, and that's going to bum me out a lot after this very rich museum conversation. Mm -hmm. If only they were taxidermed. Yeah. (laughs) It's not too late. Speaking of Barnum. Y'all are in a circus in the world of Galarian. We left last session mid-turn, unprecedented cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. Sven's second attack during his double slice put down the corrupted priest Carlesa. And as her head hits the floor, her final breath rushes out of her and the blood on the ground flares with a red light and the sigils seem to almost lift off of the ground as black energies swirl above the wolf you're tending to eugene it locks eyes with you and those streaks of red in its fur begin to come in stronger and you feel its body growing larger and more powerful 
Sven, what do you do? Uh, I'm going to turn to the, the bird who's all goofied up uh, and, and take a swing on him. Okay. <laughs> Sven does not get distracted from the killing. Oh, probably not. Uh, don't think that's going to hit uh, for a 16 on the bird. A s- 16 is a miss. Yeah. And we come to the end of Sven's turn, which also reminds me, I missed something last week. I made a mistake, rather. This hawk is from the elemental plane of air and thus counts as a summoned creature. Yes. Sven, your AC against it is too higher than whatever you've been operating with just protection on, which I believe makes your AC a 23 or a 24. Last session, the only damage you took from the hawk was on a hit for a 24. So I believe that remains unchanged. But very, very good job reading the room there, Leighton. That is a hero point. That was excellent uh, play there. Hey. Uh, so Ben, that'll be a plus three to your normal base against the hawk. Nice. Andruk, it is your turn. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, I think Druk is glad to see the priest go down um, or whatever is happening with it. And then we'll see Eugene struggling with a blood wolf and move 10 feet to the southeast and attempt to free the blood wolf. Yeah, so you move just north of Eugene, adjacent to the blood wolf. What do you do to help free it? Uh, Try to untangle its front legs, I think, is, is what's still tied up. Yeah, for sure. Give me a thievery check. 16 on the die. 16, absolutely, you get it. Nice. For sure. So those legs are free, and you can see that as this flare is starting to freak out a little bit, its legs are kicking, its front paws are starting to get action, but it it seems unable to find purchase right now. It's almost like this area is not quite in the room. It would be Carles' turn, but she did. It is the Zephyr Hawk's turn instead, and it... Whew. It sees you guys messing around with that blood wolf. One, two, Eugene. Three, four, Andruk. Two, Eugene. Fuck. Dang. It flies adjacent to Eugene, just above the blood wolf. This does not provoke an attack of opportunity from Sven, and it's gonna roll to hit. That is a 26 to hit, Eugene. Wow. I guess he can hit me. Yeah, its wing comes slashing down at you. And it is from the elemental plane of air and made predominantly of air. So it's just air slicing down at you. That is going to be eight points of damage, Eugene. And it comes down with the other wing slicing again. That is another 26 to hit. Uh, I guess that'll hit again. Yep, I don't need to pause there. I can just say that's another hit. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be ten damage, and it does all this, and it flies past you and circles back around to where it started, which is the correct use of this ability. It starts and stops on the same space. Does it avoid attacks of opportunity? It does avoid attacks of Damn opportunity. Layton, that is your turn. What you gonna do? So I think Leighton, watching this like haze of red sigils rise in the air, is gonna roll an occultism check. Yeah, go for it. 
Awesome. I'm trying to see if there's anything I could do to interfere with the ritual. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't have a character sheet in front of me and I'm not super familiar with all of the new skills. A shortcoming of, of mine as a GM. And of the podcast as a result. Yeah, sure. Then shut the fuck up. All right, dude. I'm going to fucking mute you. Um, wow. <laughs> Suddenly uh, the game got kind of not fun. Holy shit, Rudy. Really? We don't want to hear from... Are we really? Really? We're going to go down to three people that we can hear from tonight? All the bullshit? Oh, mute him. <laughs> Get him out of here. It just got really dark. Like, um, <laughs> Get out so, of my basement. Get out of my basement right now. <laughs> Get out of my basement. No, put the pizza roll down. Uh, <laughs> Sam, can I get a ride home, though? My mom won't pick up. Yeah, absolutely. But my dad's got the van tonight. He's got band practice. Uh, <laughs> all right, so last week I asked for an arcana check. Occultism also works. So, Morgan, do you have occultism by any chance? I do not. No, I appreciate that. So everything's fine. No mistakes were made. Roll, you can roll occultism. Here comes my occultism rule. Uh, fucking natural one. And you know what? I know why. All the energy, where did it go? All the focus. Layton's looking around and he just gets distracted as he sees like Eugene getting sliced and Sven turning and spinning and all this shit's going on. And he's like, oh, gosh. Oh, no, you know, what, you know what, Cole? I, I appreciate the attitude. I appreciate the help. Uh, give, me, give me another occultism check. Let's see what happens. Layton focuses in for just an instant and then rolls a natural two and he looks down at it and he says, well, fuck me. It is the energy. And Rudy, you can talk to Cole later about the bullshit energy you're putting out into the world right now. I'm sorry, but you're not, you, you don't, you don't learn much from that occultism check. For sure. Uh, um, it is still your turn, Layton. Sounds like you have a negative energy problem. <laughs> I can't believe his mic's still on. Uh, and so Leighton throws up his hands in disgust, and between them, an arc of lightning snaps into existence and sparks out at the hawk. And he goes, "Wait, b- between it. between Sven and the professor? <laughs> <laughs> between his hands, you monster!" Um, but he does do like a flick of the wrist. He goes, "Fuck it." and flings a lightning blast over at the hawk. Can I get a reflex save, please? Reflex save from the hawk, coming in. It's an 18 on the die. I'm sure that's a pass. Yeah, that's gonna be a pass. All right, so as usual, this will be half damage. So from seven down to three, and then he lances the other prong of it out and into the wall away from everybody else and says, get the wolf out of the circle. We'll hold off the hawk. And that brings us to Eugene's turn. Eugene's gonna... So, can I roll perception real quick on the Blood Wolf? Just to get a better picture of what I think I'm seeing? Um, d- tell me what you want to know, and I'll tell you if you need to make the roll. Well, um, depending on the way that the Blood Wolf now seems, and after having freed it and everything, I want to ask it to attack the Corrupted Priest. The Corrupted Priest is dead. Oh, excuse me, uh, the Hawk. The hawk, the hawk, the hawk. Sure. So I can I can tell you right now that it seems to not be entirely in control of itself, right? So I these see. flares went up. The blood sigils seem to be like hovering a little bit off the ground. You have untethered 
its forelegs and its rear legs. And it's like scrambling a bit to gain purchase. You've watched a dog sleep, right? And then it starts running in its sleep. It looks a little bit like that, but it, it, it can't seem to to find purchase on the ground within this circle. Okay. Eugene is going to look at the blood wolf in the eyes and be like, Hey, buddy, I think you're going to be all right. Maybe this is a little confusing for you, but just know that we're your friends and we're here to help you out. And then he's going to step five, ten, and take a swipe at the hawk. Yeah, so I will add one thing to what you see before you is that the blood wolf seems to be going through a very active change within the circle, right? And its eyes still look like it is looking at you as you are over there, but you you think that there seems to be some kind of inflection point coming. Okay. If that impacts you at all, but that is definitely what Eugene would be seeing in front of him. Yep. I'm still swiping at the hawk. Cool. <laughs> How about an 18 to hit? 18 is a miss. Oh, oh. Sharks. Okay. Um, I will attack again with the iterative attack penalty. And that's definitely a miss. That will be Eugene's turn. Oh, no. All right, the professor, you see the same thing before you that I have already described. What are you going to do? I'm going to uh, attempt to produce flame at our uh, flying foe there. 15 to hit. A 15 to hit is a miss. Certainly. Uh, And now, but with my last action... um, is there any information I might be able to gleam about the circle if I roll a religion check? You can take a crack at it. Well, I will not be using this d20 again. Uh, <laughs> that is a... Um, Says the professor a, in a huff. That is a 10. That is a 10. Yeah, you, 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 you don't know much other than you're pretty sure that this wolf, after undergoing this ritual, emerges much more powerful and potentially evil. And just for uh, flavor's sake, Sam, just so you know, in my head, I'm imagining the professor's religion checks are the way um, his blood reacts to things around him. Like, I don't think that... I think that they are things that are triggered regardless of whether or not he is checking for them, or, or I should say whether or not I'm checking for them, if that makes sense. Um, mechanically, if you're saying, I get these checks automatically... And Sammy no, just I'm not saying that. No, 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 I'm I didn't, saying that. Didn't think you I, I, the player is the player is rolling a check. If they're successful, I would love it if that was the flavor of it. Yeah, absolutely. So I will say this: that with a ten, and given the 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 font of your sorceress power, you are getting an itching in the direction of the blood wolf that indicates something is n- not right in Oz. Uh-oh. That was a weird way of saying you, you detect some demonic energy. It really was no miracle. What happened was just this. That is the... Right, Professor, do you have... So you recalled that's, knowledge that's, and you cast my, it to action spell? Three, yeah. That is the end of round three, the top of round four, which means the transformation is complete. Oh, boy. And the wolf <laughs> hits the ground. The flares go out. Its eyes are red as they roll back in its head. It's enormous and streaked with red. There's blood 
constantly dripping from its fangs, and it needs to roll for initiative. Oh, God. Oh, this is very bad. All right. It has rolled for initiative. It is in the initiative order. Sven, baby, it's your turn. Yeah, Sven, seeing this, going to step in. All right, so hold on one sec. I should, now that it is part of combat, it is. it has access to this square, this square, and this square. I'm going to roll a D3 to see where it actually oh, sure. lands on the map. For those who can't see the map, it is stationed in the middle of four intersecting squares. So we're just figuring out where it's going to be mechanically. So that's a two. It comes down to here. Uh, in that case, I'm going to swing on the bird and try to put it down first. Okay. Uh, that's going to be a 29. 29. 29, that'll hit. Not a crit. Yes. Put it down. Nice for nine points of damage. Oh, boy. Nine Come points on. of damage. Heard, heard. Not down yet. Not down. All right. Keep swinging on it. That will be a 22. 22 is a hit. Good. Six points of damage. Six points of damage. Fuck yeah. S- still up. Oh, oh god damn. Alright, one more swing. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Uh no, that's a miss. That's a miss. Sven. Chop, chop, chop. Swing, swing, swing. Does some serious damage. The bird is still alight. On Druk, it is your turn. I think Druk is deeply upset by this transformation, mm-hmm. but also, you know, alarmed by it. Yeah, very uh, turned on, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Druk's gonna take a, a ten foot movement to the west. And then take aim at the bird. So he's gonna shoot. As as you move, its jaws lash out at you. Oh, first of its kind. Here we go. That is a thirty to hit. Oh my god, it's a miss. <laughs> <laughs> is it a crit? Uh, yeah, it is a crit. The rules state if he can say it with a straight face, it misses. <laughs> It's one of the things I love about 2E, actually. It's with the traits. Yeah, yeah. it, it brings in a lot of, you know, role-play moments. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for the people. traits were just role-play turned mechanical. That'd be great. <laughs> that is going to be 18 points of damage. Wow. On a critical miss. On a critical <laughs> miss. Wow. His face was so straight. And before you go anywhere... Don't you grab him. That is tied into a knockdown for a 27 athletics check against your... What is this fucking modifier? This is insane. Yeah, I'm down. No, no, no. Not damage. Yeah. Oh, you get knocked down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Knocked down. Knocked down. (laughs) But he hits his head on a rock. So he is dead. (laughs) Yeah, he is dead. He is officially dead. <laughs> well, there's that dead. one soft spot on your skull. million dollar baby. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's just like, you're, you're dead Curb stomps him. <laughs> so that means, Andruk, that you are prone in the square that you were attempting to leave. I mean, the image there is great. Druk has these images, like this idea that he's going to like skirt away and then take some great shots at this bird. Instead, he just like gets swiped and then falls on his ass. My turn is going to be standing up. Yeah, you, you attempted to move away. That triggered. We'll count that as an action. Uh-huh. Now you're on the ground, and you have two actions remaining to you. I'm going to stand up. Mm-hmm. Does that provoke? It does not provoke. Great. Um, and then I'm going to run the fuck away. 
Get out of there. More of a stumble than a fall. Yeah. Just, oh, did you, oh, God, oh, God, your shirt. Pants tangled <laughs> around his ankles. Tuck and roll. And that's my Tuck turn. And roll. That is on Juke's turn. Layton, you are up. Layton is going to back off from this hawk a little bit and send another electric arc, this time saying, I'm sorry, my canine friend, but I cannot allow you to strike again. Um, and I need a reflex save from both of them. Reflex save for the Blood Wolf. 25. Oh. Sure. Reflex save for the Blood Hawk. 27. Okay, that's a critical for the Hawk. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Clumsy one. 26. Not a critical. Not All a right. critical. All Not right. Critical. Awesome. So f- four points of electricity damage to each of them. Um, and I imagine like Layton's storm cloud has whipped up the blood that is coming off of the floor into the like water droplets and the mm-hmm. room is just being like spattered in it as he can't control the winds whipping out from him. Ooh, so do four points of damage to both of them. Eugene, it is your turn. Yeah, Eugene's banged up too. Eugene's going to try and fall away. Guess, oh, it's going to fucking bang me up again. Can I move 15 feet to here? Yeah, and I am going to say that you can get to there no problem. It doesn't have extra reactions. Cool. So Eugene's going to move to there and then call to the group. Hey, friends, I hope to be a little more helpful in a bit, but I need some help first because I am not feeling well. Um, And that's going to be Eugene's turn. Hold on, do you, st- do you still have your health potion by any chance? I don't think I had a health potion, did I? We all do. Yeah, we yeah. had one. Good call, Will. Great. Yeah, I'll eat a health potion. <laughs> Absolutely. Morgan, uh, look up what that does and apply the appropriate statistics or uh, apply the appropriate healing to your character. We'll keep it moving. The professor, it is your turn. What's up? The professor will attempt to hit the wolf with a ray of enfeeblement. Roll it, baby. Oh, hey, 28 to hit. Fuck, 28 yeah. to hit. That's a crit. It is. Nice. Okay, so crit. you have to get you have to give me a fortitude save. Fortitude save. Ooh, I'm going to be honest. Best save for the wolf. What now? Having said because I crit, though, it is treated as one degree of success worse than the result of whatever you roll. All right. That's very good. That's very nice. good. 18. 18 is a fail. Nice. Because oh. it would be a pass. It drops one to a fail. Oh, oh Rudy. it fails. My DC is 19. Nice. Your DC so is 19? Was so it yeah, a crit dog. fail? Yeah, so it is a crit fail. You are enfeebled. Three! <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. It is a negative three to all strength effects, my friend. All right, nice. so that'll be its attacks and its damage and yes. a lot of important shit. Enfeebled three. It got My so goodness. big and then so small so fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Poor thing. And and so so the the golden the golden arms just come shoot out from the professor's hands, grab the blood, grab the blood wolf and just accordion him a few times and drop him back down on the ground <laughs> like like a Tex Avery cartoon. <laughs> and you have one more action, don't you? I do. I don't know what I'm going to use it for. Oh, I will... I'll harm it. Harm it. 
Oh, I can't. No, that's the the one has a uh, the one actually has a range of touch, so I can't do that. Right, get get up, get up in there, dude. Just <laughs> get it prepped no. for next time. Draw yeah. your sword and shield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I wasn't prepared for something to actually happen there. We're all shocked too, Rudy. I know. Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll run over this way. I'll I'll run uh closer to the other side of the room. Yeah, absolutely. So the blood wolf, it is now the blood wolf. Yeah, and the professor's so shocked that that worked. Like, he just, like, by instinct, just starts running. <laughs> <in the laughs> other like, whoa! <laughs> it is now the blood wolf's turn. The blood wolf was prone, so it needs to stand, which means it attacked from prone. That attack on you, Harold, was a 28, not a 30? Not a crit. Not a crit. That means that the damage was 13, not 18. Give yourself the uh, give yourself the points back. Uh, everything else remains the same. Can so I five, about five, the, the math yeah. there about 13 versus 18? Because if it's double damage, shouldn't it be? It's not double damage. Okay. It's two separate rolls. Got it. They're calculated in this system. If it's an if it's a crit, it's this much damage. If it's not, it's X much damage. So. Uh, it's actually very easy to go back and read Yeah, it. yeah, totally great. Thank you. So it stands with its first action and second action. What is it going to do? The professor did attack it. Nobody else did. It's terrified. It's scared. It's alone. I did. You did. You did. So we'll roll a d4. One, two. Layton. Three, four. The professor. Four. Steps over to the professor. It's going to take a chomp. Yipes. That is going to be a 28 to hit. Minus three, 25 to hit. Holy cow. Okay, fellas, that went from a crit to a, just a success. Nice. Wow. Ooh. Holy cow. My goodness. My heart is pounding right now. Yeah, I, yeah, no did shit, not, I did not expect this, this wolf to turn into a blood wolf. I'll be honest. But <laughs> I'm having a great time. I'm having a great time right now. Max damage. That oh is going to be... 13 points of damage, minus 3, 10 points of damage. Holy cow. Okay, cool. That could have been a lot worse. Plus knockdown. Okay. That's a 12 on the die. That's a 19 versus versus your athletics DC. Oh. <laughs> That's including the hit to strength. Yeah. I'm sorry. What's the... Is the DC just our bonus to athletics? Plus 10. I don't, plus yeah, 10. 10. Ten, ten oh, yeah, for, for sure, dude. He's down on the ground. Yeah. Okay, so he's down on the ground. Like, like he planted him in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the professor's feet are sticking up from a small professor-sized crater in the ground right Le now. Like you're in a martial arts class and the sensei is demonstrating a trip. And it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> exactly. Oh, he falls safely, but he's down. <laughs> that is the blood wolf's turn. The end of round four, the top of round five. Sven, it brings us up to you. What's good, buddy? Yeah, Sven is going to step two, step two, yelling, someone take care of the fucking bird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's going to swing on the blood wolf. Sven, recognizing the greater threat. <laughs> uh, that will be a 30 to hit. I think that's going to be yeah, a hit, bud. Let's see what's up. That's a crit. That's a crit. Yes. Sven. Excellent. We take these. Oh, that's max damn on one roll. 
Nice. Ain't shit damn on the other uh, for a total of uh, 16. 16 in one hill. Shit damn. Yep, shit damn. Devastating law of averages coming into play there. Yep. (laughs) All right, a big big swipe. Yeah, second swipe. Uh, A 29. 29 is a hit, also a crit. My goodness, Ben, those dice are on fire. Yeah, that's a good one. We'll take those. Uh, Okay, max dam. Okay. Go shit damn follow up. Shit damn follow up. Okay. <laughs> shit damn fam. Yep. Okay. Shit so damn fam. Eleven points of damage. Eleven points of nice. damage all day. Nice. Yep. Yep. There you go. I mean, big chunks. Big chunks, chunks coming out of this innocent, innocent wolf. Suffused with demonic that energy. That seems right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like the whole story here. Andruk, it's your turn. What are you gonna do? Yeah, um, Druk's going to uh, run 15 feet to the southeast to get right next to Sven, and then he's going to use a medicine check to treat wounds. And I'm going to go for the DC 20 here um, in order to try to heal for extra um, hit points. Okay, cool. Roll twice and take the lower. Um, That's 27 total. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it should be... um, Well, it's a good thing I did that because it's only 16 points of healing. 16 points of healing. That's not huge. nothing. Not nothing. That's yeah. a, but Is that two actions or three? That's two actions. I still have one action left, which I'm going to use to uh, shoot at the bird. Now, are you telling me that you had your bow in one hand while you yeah, did 16 points? It's one-handed? Yeah. That's, we've talked about this it's before. On, yeah, exactly. It's on my, my chest. Bandolier. God, I... Uh, mm-hmm. I hate that. That's ridiculous. But very good for you right now and by the book. Sam, is that a mundane piece of equipment that's fucking up your whole shit all the time? <laughs> yeah, does that feel good? Is that nice? Your smoke's glasses jerk. <laughs> Sam sitting on the toilet in 2019 just reading gear lists. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined a whole fucking dungeon with that research. <laughs> I feel like I want to hear that story, but maybe another time. Yeah, another time. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, here we go, attacking the bird. Uh, two on the die. That's not going to do it. That's my turn. That's your turn indeed. Leighton Baby, it's your turn. Uh, Leighton Baby is... Oh, nope, sorry. The Zephyr Hawk acts first. I rearranged the initiative order when I added the Blood Wolf into it. Not. I'm sorry for the tease. Sorry for the tease. Not cool. But it is the Zephyr Hawk's turn right now. We'll look at this later. We'll look at this later. Just review the tapes. I'm looking forward to the after show when we're going to like really dissect all of this stuff. Layton's <laughs> heard it, and Andruk fired the thing at it. We're going to do another D4 to see who it's going after. Oh, no. That is going to be Andruk. It flies at Andruk. Coming in. Rich da Vings. Are you going to take opportunity on it? Nope. <laughs> 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 I'm playing on a bird if it was flying past my head. But. It seems like that. <laughs> nice. Storytelling, you know. Yeah, it's not possible. I'm with you. I'm I'm on your side here. Mm-hmm. This sucks. This sucks. And 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 there's nothing I can do about it. That's going to be a 25 to hit, Andrew. That's a hit. That's a hit. Nothing he can do. <laughs> it's going to be 11 points of damage. Ooh, what I like in my storytelling screens. Oh. That's like as much as Sven hit on his crit. 
It's a really powerful bird. I can't do anything. I mean, am I, I, okay, and that's going to be a 21 to hit. That's a hit, too. Jesus. All right. More reasonable. Eight points of damage. Okay. <laughs> I'm down to six health points. Yeah. A very reasonable and 18 points of damage. And it flies past you and comes back to where it started. That is the Zephyr Hawk's turn. Swoops past on Druk, lands a couple of solid wing attacks on it. Layton, now it is your turn. Both wing attacks were just one action? Mm-hmm. Maro. Well, Layton honestly is happy that it got to go first. Sorry, Ben, to say to to be more accurate, all of that is two actions. It's a special it's a special ability called circling attack. That's uh Zephyr Hawk's not fucking around with special abilities. Yeah, and on its on its final turn, it casts Cure Light Wounds on itself and heals for. Hey, Just why kidding. Don't you it, put those away. It can't do that. It can't do that. Don't take don't take my whole fucking turn here, bro. Because I'm casting turn. heal. So after snagging my spot in the order and my spell, uh, two action heal. So thankfully, the Zephyr Hawk went first, which means I can target. Andrew can have it maximize up second level. And that is going to be 28 points of healing. What? Whoa. God, this is terrible. This is terrible. (laughs) This is maddening. Everybody's at fucking full except for the professor. Oh, God, I love it so much. Eugene is at Um, (laughs) 9,000. As always. Um, So two actions, heighten that, sling it over to Andruk. And then Leighton is going to 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 into this position. He's going to run around the back of the fight and slide in next to Sven, uh, up next to the Blood Wolf. Whew. Courageous indeed. Eugene, it's your turn. You're out in the hallway. Keep moving. Keep running away. No. After chugging down a healing potion and gaining a full four points of heals, Eugene feels <laughs> reinvigorated thanks to the strength of his colleague's recommendation. He will Sorry. take five 15 steps back into the room and then attempt to cast a sudden bolt at the big fucking wolf. This is a a spell that he has from a scroll he picked up. Oh my goodness. I'm going to be Googling sudden bolt right now. Oh, it's a pretty dope spell, dude. Tight, tight, tight. This breaks Eugene's heart. Uh, Oh, that's good. It's no there's, no, there's no attack roll. It's a basic reflex save on my behalf, right? Oh, I thought it was a spell attack or something. Okay, cool. Yeah, Not a spell basic attack. Reflex. Basic reflex save. Okay, I'm going to roll big perp. Rolling big perp tonight. A 16 on the die. My spell DC, is that what we're looking for? Yes. My spell DC is 17. Okay, oh, so I pass. Yes. Why do you pass? There's a 16 what? on the die. Oh. So it just halves damage. Then. It halves the damage, which is could be monstrous. This is 4d12 damage right here. Yeah, let's go. I love let's a d12. Go. Let's Gotta go. love a d12. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. That's a 7. 7. That's an 11 for 18. 11, 18. That's a 5 for 23. And that's another seven for 30. So divided by two, I guess, is 15. 15 points of damage. It is still up. It is not looking good. It's looking singed. Eugene, explain to me, what do we see when Eugene casts this spell from a scroll? 
I think Eugene's got tears in his eyes. I think he's really was hoping not to have to hurt this wolf. I think he sees an innocent animal that he was hoping to make a friend out of. I don't think he says anything else. No, no, no. But what do we, what is it? So we see this, he reads from the scroll and then just what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, tears in his eyes. I imagine that there's like kind of like a slow buildup of electricity in between his two hands. And then he just pushes it at it, pushes it at it. And it like floats across the room. Blood Wolf tries to dodge. It follows, avoids some of the damage, but still. That is Eugene's turn. The professor, you're up. And then it's the Blood Wolf. So I'm prone right now. Mm hmm. Right. So uh, I'm interpreting that as the professor, like a like the cork at a champagne bottle, like squeezing himself back up out of the crater that he was just planted into. So that's my getting up. So you get up as a move action, and as you do... Looney Tune in the corner. (laughs) The blood wolf spins and lashes out with its jaws. Oh, I don't know. Is he adjacent to me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he takes... Oh, rats. Well, but but so long, fellows. I have no hero points to speak of. That's only a sixteen to hit. It's a miss. Oh, yes. Wow. Oh. Wow. wow. Oh, less than that. Less than that. It's a thirteen to hit because it's enfeebled. So nicely oh, done, professor. No, the way the rules are written, that's a crit. What? <laughs> delivering, it, delivering it with a straight face. Just practicing on the straight face. So you stand, you stand up. It, it gnashes out at you, does not connect. I will harm it. Go you ahead. Look at me like that's a bad idea. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm looking at you being like, can it take an attack of opportunity? It can't. It's already used its reaction. And I, you need a fortitude save, right? Yeah, give me a fortitude save. All right. I'm looking good on the Come fort. On. Come on. But uh, I'm looking good on the fort. But the old, the old purple here is uh, only one for two right now. 18 on the die. It's a fail. Damn it. No, no, no. Uh, 18 on the die, Rudy. Oh, 18 on the die. Stop doing that. Just give it the, tie, the total. I'm not going to stop doing that because 18 on the die is a dominant position. It's a, And I'll tell you right now, it's a 27. That's four points of damage. would have been max. Four points of damage. Yeah. Four hit points left. No. it With the harm. Four points of damage. It had 50 hit points. When it start when it entered the combat, fifty hit points. You guys, a couple of big crits from Sven, but my goodness, yeah. yeah, four hit points left. Rudy, harm takes it down. Poor thing. Zephyr Hawk, on the other hand, still up. <laughs> I say, take care of the fucking bird. I were just, I were just like poking it with a broomstick. Get in it, a maybe open the door. <laughs> Let it cry out. Just get it, in, get it, get it, get it into the box. Get into the box and then throw the pillowcase over it. We're not trying to hurt it. Everyone had their rabies shot. Hold on. Let me get some paper plates. Maybe I can get it between them. Last action in round five. The professor drops the blood wolf. It's the top of round six. It is Sven's turn. Come here, you fucking bird try to do right by this bird. Sven steps up to the bird, the Zephyr Hawk. Uh, that's going to be a 29 to hit. 29 to Insane. hit. That's a hit. Yep. Is that a crit? What is happening? Not a crit. I just rolled 17s and 18s like all night. It's awesome. <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah. Those are those new dice I got you. Right. Yeah. Nine points of damage. Nine points of Nine damage. Nine points of damage. 
How's this bird have like more hit points than the fucking wolf? Yeah, this bird is wild. The bird is down. Hey, yes. finally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Holy cow. The bird Holy is down, cow. and you are out of initiative order. Zephyr Hawk, dead. Blood Wolf, dead. Carlesa, the corrupted priest, dead. Wow. This is a grim room right now. Looks like our work Jeez. is done. The room is yours. You have cleared the room. What do you do? I mean, I think Druk sees Eugene in a pretty bad spot and is going to run over. And actually, I, you know, I think I'm going to use my healer's gloves since I just got them. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. The, the pristine white gloves that cannot be stained by blood? Yeah, those. The very same. The rest of you is covered. <laughs> yeah. I can heal someone for 2d6 plus 7 points of hit points. So um, I'll roll that. That's 14 points of healing for Eugene. Sweet. And what does it look like when you use magic for like the first time? Do you just run over and just like, just sort of like flat palm on him and then just, <laughs> <laughs> and boom, he bl- you blast healing through him? Yeah. I mean, I, I see Druk using like, you know, like actual magic down the road. And so I think that this is going to be, I want to like make this different than that because it's an, it's coming from an item. And so I would imagine it's actually more like the gloves know what to do. And they kind of like guide his hands and um, and kind of magically kind of like um, Mickey, like uh, using the brooms to clean stuff. Like the, the gloves just do the thing mm-hmm. to, uh, to heal Morgan for, or heal Eugene for 14 points of, of hit points. But yeah. They do and too much and they immolate him and he turns into an angel, just like there was <laughs> so much water in that castle. Just like yeah, that. But, but, but I, I also see them, you know, you're, you're, um, you're sort of a puppet on strings who's unused to it. So there's a yeah, little yeah. bit of herky-jerkiness to it the first time you right. use it. Yeah. And the professor is also down a little bit. Yeah. And so I think Leighton, seeing that Eugene is getting taken care of, would run over to the professor and give it a nature check for medicine here. Uh, yes, that is an 18. Ah, yes. And excellent. 11 points of healing. Ah, thank there. you, Leighton. Thank you, Leighton. You're a good boy. All right. That all happens very quickly. That all happens very quickly. Uh, so the room is yours. What What's going on with everybody? How's everybody doing? What's going on? Oh, boy. Let's take a closer look at that circle. Yeah, Sven steps out of the circle that he just noticed he was standing within. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, no, my, oh, dear. Yeah, what kind of checks can we do on the, the circle? Um, I'll take occultism or religion checks. Boy. Well, the uh, spooky black and red dice got me from a one to a two to a three. This time, hey, so nice. do with that what you I will. I rolled a little bit better. Yeah, than that that a, one. a twelve for religion. That's a nineteen for religion. A nineteen? Yeah. So you kind of get the bones of it with a nineteen, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a ritual summoning circle, and what Carlesa was doing was summoning abyssal energies to infuse a normal gray wolf so when you walked in and interrupted it it was still a wolf that had begun the process but it hadn't completely taken hold and then after three rounds mechanically in the game the ritual is complete right it's on sort of a low simmer for a moment uh when she steps away from it but then her death and the energy involved there kind of ripped open the portal that the energy was summoning through and 
made the process go a little bit faster or accelerated it right then. So after three rounds, the ritual is complete and it's no longer a gray wolf. It is the blood wolf. So this is a summoning circle for abyssal energies. Maybe the Zephyr Hawk was brought here, though it's not necessarily an evil creature. But you can see that this circle is somewhat well-worn. Maybe all of the markings on the outside aren't the same from ritual to ritual, but it seems clear that there's things scrubbed out, that this area, this space has become the standard space, the space that is used to bring energies from other planes in and from what you've heard from what Leighton could remember begin to infuse them with natural animals so perhaps this explains uh the uh animal paddocks we just walked through oh or vice versa the animals may have been here uh, during the old regime when they were well taken care of it seems and now have been repurposed under these new rulers Best not to dwell, I think. It is a dark place. Shall we move on, friends? Give ourselves yes, a little room. Yes, there was room. stuff at the other end of the corridor, so might as well is check there, that Is out. there any way to destroy the summoning circle? Well? Without getting summoned. We tried to watch it away. Sam, have I detected magic in this room since the fight? And can I if I haven't? You detected magic at the beginning of the fight. You, in you know, is sort of... You're whatever detection mechanism you were using would have like completely lit up and kind of been fried by the magic involved in the summoning circle. But yeah, you can ping again and you don't find anything magical. But if people want to do a perception or search around the room beyond just the... Yeah, I definitely want to check for more like false doors or secret passageways or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Druk might check the bodies, to be honest. Okay. Am I rolling perception if I want to check the walls? Yeah. Leighton is just going to take the time while they're searching to refocus. It's a 21. I hit a 29, natural 20. Yeah, so you're searching the bodies, Druk. <laughs> you do find a key on Carlessa's person. And Morgan Eugene was sort of running his hands over the walls, maybe searching for secret doors is what I'm guessing. Yeah. He does not find anything. Any indication where the key might be for? Does it look like it it would work on one of the doors that we passed by? You don't have a sense of what the key is for just by looking at it. Okay. No tape label. Sam, with the circle, the summoning circle, is there like, is it like, uh, is there anything sacred on it? Or is it just like an elevated piece of stone? It's not even an elevated piece of stone. It's the the circle sort of seems to be worn perhaps by the rituals that have been enacted here. And around the outside of it, you can see where there are current blood sigils and maybe Sven is already washing them away. You can see maybe faint outlines of previous sigils specific to previous rituals. And Sven, what what are you doing once people have checked it out, are you washing it away? Are you finding like buckets of water from some of the pens outside, sloshing them over it, getting a deck brush? Like, tell me what. Tell I mean, me what. Sure, buckets of water. I was gonna spit on it and just wipe away with a rag. But yeah, if there if there's water buckets to be found, even better. It's a ten foot wide circle. But yeah. also, also, I imagine that Sven starts out with spitting on it and wiping it away with you know like a very small handkerchief, and somebody else. <laughs> 
<laughs> seeing him doing uh, an incredibly industrious task goes and gets a bucket of water for you. Maybe a deck brush to make the process go a little bit faster. Yeah. Maybe a shower brush from nearby if they had one for the animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something along those lines. I happen something to know a particularly fine brand. <laughs> <laughs> but you clean it up, I think, is the is the main yeah. thing. All right. So you clean up the summoning circle in the center. You've found a key. What's next? I think we head to the other end of the zoo there and check out the door that remains. All right, cool. So everybody lines up at the door that you entered and uh, starts taking left-hand turns. (laughs) Sven, I saw you move all the way over to the east to the door that's visible, but I'm going to stop you in this door frame right here just so that I can open up the area and tell you what you see before you enter the space. Oh, God, I thought that was just like a little narrowing of the hallway. Okay. No, it's uh, given the reveal, the, 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 the shoddy reveal that you've seen so far, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And hide areas. Nope, we want to reveal areas. Can we get that tool working? We do. Not on your schedule, buddy. In this economy? <laughs> In this economy? All right, so you walk down to the end of the hallway, past a couple of habitats to your north and south on your left and right and the room opens up and you see a large enclosure down the end the large pen in this room resembles a forest habitat trees grow from heaps of earth sloped like a hill and covered in brush and undergrowth a pool of water ringed with rocks fills one corner of the pen the door and the bars separating the pen from the main hallway is latched shut and looped with wire to keep it closed. What do you do? Sounds like we must open it. So you head up. Perhaps we should take a moment and just see if anything stirs the water. Can I roll a perception check? Yeah, roll a perception check. Ah, 22. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 21. 20. 21, 20, 22. 17. 17. So right now I've got 22 as the highest. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. You don't see anything in the room. I feel so confident about that. (laughs) Not grass, not water, not fences, nothing. Just blackness. Void. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, since I didn't roll, can I see still? Since everyone went blind? (laughs) Excuse me? Since I didn't roll, can I still see? Since everyone else went blind? (laughs) Um... (laughs) Okay, everybody. It's not, it's not that good joke. I'm sorry. I could, uh, I could reread the flavor text of the room that everybody <laughs> sees. You don't see nothing. You just don't see anything new. Oh, nothing in the water. So there's no nothing in the water. The, there's the two sconces uh, on the north and south side of the room outside of the enclosure. And then as it gets in there, the light sort of dims. You know what I mean? As you get towards the back, there's it's just not super well lit. Clayton is going to step through the hallway into the more open room and sort of turn to Sven and lay a hand on his shoulder and whisper back to the others so everyone can hear. Do you want me to see if I can't bait anything out? It's perhaps a good idea. Toss a pebble or something into water. And Leighton snaps and casts prestidigitation and a wind like rustle, rustles the branches and drops uh, like debris and twigs down, making a loud noise. Making a loud noise. Okay. Yeah, give me another perception check, Leighton and Sven. 16. 16? Uh, 11. 11. 
you don't see anything new. It's almost like your eyes are caught by the disturbance that you made. You know what I mean? You see that and it falls and you're kind of distracted by it. Like you're, you, you realize that you're more distracted than the last time you looked in the room. All is well, Sven. Lever it open with abandon. Yeah. Uh, Sven will step two and crack it open. Sven steps two, lifts the wire, cracks it open. And as soon as you do... Curses. Pouring <laughs> from the back of the room and the dim light is a darker piece of shadow, ten feet wide, that seems to be galloping towards you. And as it gets closer, a panther's face pushes out from the cloud of inky blackness, its claws on either side of its open jaws. And that's where we'll leave it for tonight. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> Who could have seen it coming? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of low perception checks walking into the final animal planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who could have seen it coming? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs>